Good morning. Let me try it one more time. Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. This is a special day in the life of our church. And today is the result of months of planning and preparation. And we are so glad that each of you have joined us today. In your pew, uh, you should find a blue card there with some offering envelopes. If you're a guest with us today, we don't have the normal tear out. And so if you would be uh, willing to fill that out with some information about yourself and your family, we would be delighted to have that as a record of your visit with us today. And if you don't have a church home and you're here today, it's just a, a normal service on your part. We're glad you've attended on this special day and we hope you will come again this following uh, this next Sunday. Also, we've made available some special historical uh, pamphlets or information that we did not include in, uh, there's a long section on history in your program this morning, but we have some additional information that you would certainly find enjoyable reading. And that information is located on the table in the front lobby, and it will also be located uh, as we begin our meal following our service that all of you are invited to uh, in just a moment. Over 50 years ago, Boiling Springs Baptist Church stepped out in faith to draw up plans to raise funds and to pursue a new church facility. Members gave up their time and financial resources so the present and future generations would have a place to grow, worship, and serve together. In case you haven't heard, today we are celebrating 50 years in this beautiful sanctuary and educational space. The service will include special music and elements that will help us reflect on the past and look to the future. When I first came to Bowling Springs Baptist Church several years ago, I heard of the famous walk that took place in 1969 around this time from the current facility down to this new beautiful sanctuary. And it seems like every few weeks or every few months I would hear again once more about the walk. And so this morning many of us participated once again in a walk, uh, this time from Dover Chapel down to this current sanctuary. But I have a question for those who may have been here and participated in that walk in 1969. If that was you and you participated, you may have been very small and you may have been strolled here uh, to this new church. But if you participated in that walk in 1969, would you please stand this morning? Again, welcome. We are so glad that each of you have joined us for worship today and let us now prepare our hearts for worship.
Join me in prayer. Father, we pray that you do rain down on us, the God of love, the God of life. Father, we celebrate today, 50 years in this facility. We thank you for the vision and the dream of the church to come across the river. We thank you for looking back as we've looked back over these last few months. But we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we move forward, that the best is yet to be. Lord, bless our time together. Help us as we celebrate today, as we remember those who have gone before us and we look to the future. We pray in the strong name of Jesus with much thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Our hymn is uh, found in the back cover of your hymnal on the inside back cover. And um, this hymn was written especially for Bowling Springs Baptist Church. And you might want to read some of the footnotes that are listed there at the bottom of the hymn. But don't read them while you're singing or during the sermon. <laughs> if you are able, please stand and join in singing Candles of Witness.
A good church is never an island. We have partners and relationships that help us to do what we do as a church. And this morning we have special, several special guests with us. We invited others to join us on this special day. One in particular who could not be here was Milton Hollyfield, the executive director for the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. He sends his love and his greetings and uh, his, um, his love for this church and the way we partner together. This morning, we are glad to have with us uh, Lucas Shires, who is the town manager for Boiling Springs, Aaron Hinton, who's the director for advancement of Christian service at Garden Web University, Wesley Smith, associational missionary for the Greater Cleveland County Baptist Association, and Dr. Larry Hovis, who is the executive director, treasurer for CBFNC, and we are delighted to have each of you here, and we are delighted to have not only Larry, but his wife Kim with us today, and several others uh, have family with them today, and some were not able to be here. But we are glad that each of you uh, took the time to be here this morning. This morning, we also have some individuals uh, with us that we would like to recognize. And as I recognize these individuals, I'd like to ask that you do two things. Number one is save your applause to the end. And number two, if you are here today, uh, and maybe that staff or former minister is not here, but you could stand in their honor, in their memory. We encourage one member of the family to do that for uh, someone maybe that has served in your family here at the church, either on staff or as, as a minister. So I want to begin by asking if you served here or currently serve in an administrative role, whether in the office or have served in any way with the office or with building and grounds, would you please stand? If you have served here in any way with our children as a children's minister or currently serve in that role as youth minister or with our daycare or in, in the previous years, kindergarten ministry, would you please stand and remain and everyone remain standing? <laughs> and as we continue, be sure to look around just to notice who is here today. If you have served in a role or uh, maybe even an interim role in any of these uh, positions, again, when I mention them, please stand. But if you served as Minister of Education, would you please stand? If you served as Minister of Music or Interim Minister of Music or currently serve as Minister of Music, would you please stand? And if you were here and served as Pastor, Associate Pastor or Interim Pastor at any point in our past, would you please stand? At this time, I'd also like to uh, make mention of a family that is very dear to this church that's sitting uh, halfway back in the middle section there. But Doug Lennons, who is here this morning, is the brother of T. Max Lennons. And of course, additional family is there on that row as well. And so we are glad that you have made this trek all the way from Burlington, I believe, this morning. And we are honored to have you with us today. To each one standing this morning, we are glad you've joined us for this celebration. And church family, will you now join me and recognizing these who are standing. Now we will hear from another special group that was uh, meaningful to this church family in 1969 and still meaningful to us today. A youth choir. Um, they look a little bit different than they did a few years ago. But this youth choir is directed by Teresa Huggins and is accompanied by the original accompanist, Doyne Allison. And they are here today in these same roles. And so please come and share with us.
When I was asked to read the scripture today, they also asked me to say a word about the past. And so here goes in 1962, Ray and I had only been married a year when we had the opportunity to come to Gardner-Webb College to teach. When we drove out from Texas, we found that T. Max Lennons and Dr. Poston wanted me to work with the church as Minister of Religious Education, along with being a full-time teacher. After all, the college had been started in the backyard of the church, so they were located right together on Main Street. I loved working with Max Lennons and his wife, Anne, who led the excellent kindergarten. My office was in the education building, which is now the Elliott Building and the Garden Web Campus. The church hired a part-time secretary to work with me. The first was Maxanne Green, followed by Joanne Lutz, when Melvin came to attend Garden Web. I worked with the planning of the additional educational building and the new worship place that was going to be built in front of it, still right there on Main Street, in front of the college. The old educational building, every single wall is a supporting wall. So I got the architects to design the new education building to have pre-stressed concrete beams and no load-bearing walls. That way we could have complete flexibility to change to meet needs. I also helped the new worship plan planning with Max. With his Quaker background, he always called it the meeting house. I enjoyed those years of planning and building and working with a growing college and community. In 1966, the college began negotiations to buy our whole church plant, and the church decided to sell the land and the buildings to the college and buy half of Miss Daisy Bridges' farm down the road so it could locate, quote, where we won't be crowded in again. I negotiated with the college how we would share our buildings while the new building was built and enjoyed continuing to work with the architects on the design to the new meeting house. After all that, I didn't get to be in the march from the old to the new buildings. Dr. Poston had decided that faculty members could no longer work more than three months at a time in a church and that took care of the agreement he had made with the church. So by the time of the march, Max Lins had made sure that I was ordained to preach since I was, he said, bootlegging the gospel without even a license. <laughs> and I was serving Mount Sinai as their interim pastor. Ray did make the march. Ray carried baby Beth most of the way. Mary, aged three and a half, held on to the hem of her dress, and Robert, five, ran along beside them. What a great privilege it was to serve 
with you in those years. The psalm I've been asked to read is Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Extol him, all ye peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Bob. A name that Bob just mentioned was the Bridges family, Daisy Bridges, Daisy and Marvin Bridges. Their children, uh, they had several, and two of those um, were Faye Bridges and Michael Bridges. Um, Faye, uh, Kay, excuse me, passed away just this last year. She was uh, a longtime resident at Peak Resources here in Shelby. And then uh, we want to be in prayer. The reason I'm mentioning this is Michael is currently in the hospital, had a, a light heart attack yesterday, and his wife, Kathy, is in the final hours of her life as she has, um, uh, has been battling cancer. And again, let me remind you of something that Bob said in the midst of his comments, but Michael and, and Kay, their parents, again, were Marvin and Daisy, who gave the land for our beautiful sanctuary and educational space for this church campus. And so at this hour, we want to, as we gather here this morning in the midst of our celebration, let's remember Michael and Kathy as they are both struggling right now uh, at the Shelby Hospital and uh, be mindful and prayerful for them. Let's also continue to remember those who have been affected by Hurricane Dorian over these last few days. Uh, the Bahamas were absolutely devastated and we certainly praise the Lord for no further devastation up the East Coast as it made its path up our way this, um, this last week. But let's remember all those. At this time as well, I would like to mention, let's remember Ray Lamb, who could not be with us this morning. And so, Bob, we're thinking of, of, of her and of you uh, as you uh, continue to assist her today. At the conclusion of my prayer this morning, I invite you to join me in praying the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. It is printed in your bulletin. It may also be on the slides. But at this time, would you now join me in prayer this morning? God, we gather on this special day to worship you. We echo the words heard recently from this pulpit this summer in Psalm 84, which read, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. God, we thank you and praise you for the way this sanctuary space has served thousands of individuals over the course of the last 50 years. Men and women have been called to follow you as Lord and Savior. Men and women, boys and girls, have experienced the waters of baptism here in this place. Men and women have responded to your call on their lives and from this place been ordained and sent out to neighboring churches and to mission fields throughout the world. This morning we have much to celebrate, sacred memories to reflect on and hopeful future to look forward to. God, you have been our help in ages past and we know you are our hope for years to come. Bless and bring healing today to those struggling physically in our church family, to those wrestling with inner struggles. Amid this joyous celebration, we pray for peace and direction. For those struggling with grief today, we pray for comfort. For those who have lost loved ones from a recent hurricane and to those struggling with recovery efforts at this hour, we pray for strength now and in the coming days. God, we thank you for those who long ago stepped out in faith who gave sacrificially of their time and their resources so we could have this beautiful place of worship. We feel their presence with us today. For this Bowling Springs community, we give you thanks. 
Bless all who live, work, and play in this and surrounding areas. Stir our hearts so that we may serve, minister, and be the presence of Christ to all. At this time, we join together as one body, united in Christ, praying the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Again, we are glad and honored to have our special guest with us today. And at this time, I'd like to turn it over to them. Lucas, you come and share a word with us. My heart is happy to see you all here. My nerves are not, so bear with me. Uh, thank you, Pastor McKinney, and good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Lucas Shires, the town manager of our wonderful town. Uh, my family and I have been enjoying uh, visiting your church, and on behalf of the town, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here and to celebrate. Um, as the town is building upon the successes of the past, learning from our failures, building momentum in the present, and planning for the future, I urge this body of believers to do so as well. The theme of today is looking back, moving forward. We must always pay homage to where we came from, but we must always push ourselves to be better and strive to have a larger impact on our prospective communities. I call it respective growth. The world needs you, America needs you, our state needs you, but most importantly, our community needs you. Through equity, fairness, forgiveness, goodwill, and direction from above, I can honestly say that I'm excited to see what the future holds for this church, for all churches in our community, and for our town, the town of Bowling Springs. This church is more than these four walls, all of these buildings. It represents leadership. We're going to hear from a lot of people today, partnerships, a vision, connecting this community, memories, and it represents a legacy in our town. Let's work together to make a great thing even better. On behalf of the town, I appreciate everything that you do for our community and will continue to do. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. It's my pleasure to be here with you and bring you greetings on behalf of your neighbor across the street, Gardner-Webb University. Our new president, Dr. William Downs, and his wife, Kim, could not be here today as they were invited to attend the football game that didn't exactly go as we wanted it to last night. Uh, but uh, they send their greetings and congratulations and wish they could be with you as well. In Lansford Jolly's book, Dreaming, Daring, and Doing, Jolly writes of how this church and the university became partners and, they, and how they've always been. In 1905, the church vote, voted to give their old church house and five acres of land to the school. In addition, they gave the school $2,700. From the very beginning, this church and what began as that little Christian high school were partnered together. Many of the great saints of this church have also made such a difference in the life of the school. Names like Abrams, Beeson, Blackburn, Cullinan, Green, Hamrick, Jolly, Lamb, Lutz, Parrish, Partain, Washburn, and that's just to name a few. 
These and many more have been the light of Jesus on our campus and in this community. In the second floor of Webb Hall in the conference room, there is a picture on the wall of every past president of our university. My favorite is the one of the Reverend J.L. Jenkins, who served as the president during the Great Depression, as well as pastor of this church for 25 years. Sure, you could say I'm a little biased. He happens to be the great-grandfather of my wife. But in his presidential picture, Jenkins is seen holding his Bible. Preacher Jenkins gives us the image to move forward into the next 50 years of partnership together. Let it be the university and this church holding on to the Word of God together in a kingdom-building partnership. Congratulations, church. Well, good morning. It is certainly really cool to be back in this sanctuary and to see tons of familiar faces. Uh, I love this place. This has been a huge part of my life, and I am very thankful to be here. But I do bring you greetings this morning on behalf of the Greater Cleveland County Baptist Association. For you see, this church was one of the original 13 churches who in 1851, at a meeting of the Broad River Association, requested a letter of dismissal from that association to form a new body, the Kings Mountain Baptist Association. You'll be interested to know that the total membership of those 13 churches at that time was 1,325. Today, the Greater Cleveland County Baptist Association is a family of 83 Baptist churches with an estimated 18,000 members. How great it is to know that this church has been such a huge part of doing ministry together right here in Cleveland County and was one of the driving members to begin to do that. So I, for one, am very thankful for your partnership, your sacrifice, your leadership of who you are today. And I look forward to what God is going to continue to do in and through you and us together as we seek first his kingdom. Thank you again for the opportunity to, to worship with you and to celebrate with you today. Kim and I are honored to be invited to join you for this very special day in the life of your church and to bring you greetings from your cooperative Baptist family all across North Carolina, around the country, and around the world through the ministry of our Global Missions field personnel. As I've read through your history, as I listened to the beautiful words of your Founders Day hymn, as I listened to Dr. Lamb's reflections on his experience, and as I thought about my own encounters with this church, it occurred to me how closely the values of Boiling Springs Baptist Church and the values of Cooperative Baptist Fellowship of North Carolina are so aligned. We value together those historic Baptist principles that we hold so dear. We value together God's call to engage both in the Great Commission to make disciples around the world and the Great Commandment 
to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We value together the recognition of God's call to all people, women and men, to mission, to ministry, and to church leadership. And we value together the importance of Christian higher education and quality theological education so that we might together bring about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So I am indeed grateful for this church and I'm grateful for your involvement and your support of the work we do together in Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. I close with a paraphrase of the words of the Apostle Paul in the opening verses of Philippians. With joy in my heart, I thank my God every time I remember you in my prayers, grateful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. We present this building and its surrounding structures and properties to be rededicated for the worship of God, for the preparation of God's people for discipleship, and for the service of all humanity. Dear friends, it is with joy that we gather to rededicate our buildings and surroundings for the work of ministry. But the dedication is in vain without the dedication of those whose gifts it represents. Let us give ourselves anew to the service of God, our minds that they may be renewed after the image of Christ, our bodies that they may be fit temples for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and our labors, that they may be according to God's will, and that their fruit may glorify God's name and serve God's purpose. In seeking to fulfill God's purpose, to the spiritual enrichment of all who come here, Seeking knowledge. To the loyal service of those whose training and devotion have prepared them to lead us to seek and to practice truth. To that ministry of administration upon which competently and faithfully practiced depends the wise conduct of our life together and our ministry in the world. Wondrous God, the skies and the highest heavens cannot contain you, much less temples made by human hands. Yet you dwell on this earth among us and are made known in sacred space and time. Receive these buildings and surroundings afresh for your honor 
as we dedicate them and ourselves to your service through the service of humanity. Consecrate afresh these buildings to your service and this church to ministry. May we show forth your life-empowering care as a light unto, upon a stand that leads others to see our good works and give you praise. Listen to every prayer, say aloud or in secret. Remind me, us that you are present with everything that happens, always leading us to right relationship with you and others. Reveal yourself to your people gathered around the Lord's table in the breaking of bread and in communion with one another. Enfold in your loving care those who are baptized. Grant that they may know themselves to be members of the body of Christ through God's everlasting covenant. Reconcile by the power of your spirit those who feel themselves estranged from you and one another. Within this body, grant them your peace, putting an end to any hostility. Sanctify all that we are, all that we have, and all that we shall become, and make us wholly yours. Blessing and honor. Now, if you would turn in your hymnals to hymn number 534, Bricks and Mortar, Hands and Labor. Though you may not be familiar with these words, you're very familiar with the tune. So I invite you to sing with hearty voices. Hymn number 534, please stand if you are able.
50th anniversary committee, as we did our planning, we wanted one tangible way to say to the community, we're grateful for the years that we've been privileged to be here. We wanted to do something to give back. We've long been noted for the ministry through our food pantry and benevolence. And so there are envelopes, I believe, at the entrance and the exits called 50 for 50. We designed that for those who would have 50 pennies to give, $51 bills, and but we will take anything. But again, this is a way for, for money to go into a designated fund for food for the food pantry and related benevolence causes. And so this will be ongoing so that people can contribute throughout the years to serving our community. Thank you. Would you join together with me as we pray together at this time? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this day in a spirit of praise and thanksgiving. You have graced our lives and our church with your presence, with your care and love. Help us to be examples of your continual love by being good stewards of what you have given to us. May we each give our tithes and offerings, remembering that it is more blessed to give than to receive. May each gift be used for your glory and for the furtherance of your kingdom through Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen.
morning for my scripture, I pick up on what Larry shared, just a portion of in his remarks a few moments ago, but it's from first Philippians chapter one, beginning with verse three. I thank my God every time I remember, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing of the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think, think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart for all of you share in God's grace with me both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. May God bless these words to us this morning.
First, I want to say thank you for both the opportunity to be here and thank you to everyone who has given so much in planning and making this a special day of worship and honoring our God and realizing that we together are God's people. We've been called to be His church right here in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. It's always humbling to come back home in essence and to share with you and to share in the love that I have for you and I am confident that you have for me and the love that together we share for Christ Jesus in his love. And as I was thinking about what to preach on this morning, three things came to my mind. First of all, connection, and then secondly, remembering, and finally, living. The guy was walking down the street and he falls into a hole, a pit in essence. The walls are so steep that he cannot get out and it is dark and right at that moment, the guy feels overwhelmed. A doctor passes by and looks down in the hole and the guy looks up and he says, hey, can you help me out? And so the doctor pulls out his prescription pad and he writes out a prescription and he tosses it down into the hole. Short while later, a pastor came by. The guy looked up and he said, pastor, can you help me get out of here? And the pastor pulls out a slip of paper and he writes down a prayer and he tosses it into the hole. And after a short while later, a friend comes by. And the man looks up and he says, hey, can you help me get out? And the friend jumps down into the hole and he joins the man. The man immediately says, hey, are you stupid? I'm trying to get out of here. Now we're both down here. And the friend looks up at the, looks over at the guy and he says, yeah, I know, but I've been down here before and I'm gonna be with you till we get help. Like it or not, None of us is on this journey of life by ourselves. And every one of us needs a sense of connection. Indeed, it is a gift that God gives us to connect with each other. And since Keith asked me to preach this morning, I've been thinking about this church and churches in general, a community of faith that God, that God in Christ Jesus has called us together and we must constantly remind ourselves that yes, we're here. Yes, we are a community and we're all damaged. We're all weak. We all are vulnerable in our own ways. And God has called us to reach out to this community, to the others who are needy and frightened. And we need to say to them, don't be afraid. Jesus loves you. And I accept you. For the church, I believe, is about connection. Our connection with God through Jesus Christ, but also our connection to each other. It is a blessing to be connected 
And then finally, to remember that parable that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan, that ultimately we are called to reach out and connect to our neighbor in whatever form and fashion our neighbor might take. The scripture, I believe, would call this sense of connection, love. It is the foundation of everything we do as a church, love. Indeed, beyond connection, I think it is important to also remember, to remember who we are. You know, I left Bowling Springs Baptist at the end of 2012, and for at least four of those years since I left, I worked with Impact Family Violence Services, working with abusive men. And one of the important images in that program for batterers is the image of Sankofa. And the concept of Sankofa comes from Africa, as a matter of fact, from Ghana, West Africa. And literally, Sankofa means it is not taboo to go back and fetch what you forgot. Sankofa teaches us that we must go back to our roots in order to be able to move forward. That is, we should be able to reach back and to learn the best that the past has to teach us from both our successes and our failures. And only then, as we learn and grow, can we move into the potential that God has placed in us to move forward. Whatever we have lost, whatever we have forgotten, whatever we have foregone, whatever perhaps we've even been stripped of, can be reclaimed and revived and preserved and by the grace of God, perpetuated for another generation. The picture that the Africans painted of a Sankofa is a bird that has its head turned around backward and yet it is moving forward, all the while holding a, an egg in its beak, symbolizing the future, the potential of growth. For in order to understand our present and to ensure our future, we must know our past. And indeed, that is a necessary step for those abusive men if they're going to move forward in their lives as they change. But I think it is also a necessary step for every church to take the best from the past and to move into God's promise in the future. And so today we remember, we celebrate, but we do also look forward to that future. There was a story about a man who was so good and faithful that the angels there in heaven asked God for his permission to give this man the gift of miracles. And God in his wisdom told, told them to go to the man and ask him if he would like such a gift. So the angels visit this man and they offer him first the gift of healing. He turns them down. 
And then they offer him the gift of the conversion of souls and he turns them down. And finally they offer him the gift of teaching and making disciples and once again he turns them down. And he refuses all of the offers because he didn't want people to look at him. Sure, he wanted those things done, but he wanted God to get all the glory. And so, because the man refused, the angels insisted that this man choose a gift or, he would choose, or they would choose one for him. And so the man said, very well, I ask that you do, that I may do a great deal of good and never know about it. And so the story ends, and the angels are perplexed, and they take counsel there in heaven, and they resolve upon a plan that every time the man's shadow falls behind him, that it will have the power to cure diseases, it will have the power to soothe pain, it will have the power to comfort sorrow, it will have the power to make people feel the presence and the love of God. And so everywhere the man went, everywhere he goes, his shadow leaves joy and love and peace. The man simply goes about his daily life sharing grace and love to all without even being aware of it. Because the grace and the love of God so fills his life. And so the people respecting his humility follow him every day, never speaking to him about all of the miracles they see. And soon they forgot his name and they simply call him the Holy Shadow. You know, as a church, we stand in the shadow of men and women who have followed God year after year after year since 1847. We don't even know most of their names. As a matter of fact, we don't even know mostly what they did. But in faithfulness and in sacrifice, they have given us a heritage. They've given us a community of faith right here in Boiling Springs. And there's another side that all of us here this morning, we're going out into this community and we are casting our shadows, creating a future with the opportunity to bless and share love because as Paul said in those verses, Christ is still working in you. And so we remember and we give thanks. And as I think about the future, I realize that it truly does depend upon every one of us being faithful and following Christ. I found this final story of NPR's Invisibilia program. It's a story about eight individuals, their friends who have gathered around a backyard dinner table for a cookout and for fellowship. 
They're celebrating family and friendship on a warm evening in Washington, D.C. And Michael and his wife and his daughter, they're hosting the event. And as Michael describes it, it was one of those great evenings, lots of great food and drink, a magical night. And after enjoying the meal and the dessert, and the group was simply sitting around in conversation, enjoying the time of fellowship and enjoying each other's company. And all of a sudden, that magical night took a different turn. Michael, who at that point was standing with his wife, saw, the, saw an arm and the long barrel of a gun come between him and his wife. And in that moment, as Michael describes it, it, it was as if everything began to move in slow motion. Everything got real quiet. And everyone was gripped with fear. The gun, it seems, belonged to a man. He was of medium height. He had on designer sweats, but he was a stranger to all of them. And he first raised his gun toward Michael's friend, Christina. And then he pointed it at the head of Michael's wife, saying, give me your money. He just kept repeating it over and over. Give me your money, give me your money or somebody's gonna get hurt. His voice was harsh and angry. And as you can imagine, there was terror around the table and everyone could sense this man is not joking around. And of course, the gun was a real problem. But there was another problem, his demand. Because you see, like many of us in this day and time of debit and credit cards, not a single one of them had any cash. What he wanted, they couldn't give. No one had any money. So they started talking to the man, grasping for some way that perhaps they could dissuade, dissuade him. And they started with guilt. One of them said, what would your mother think of you? I don't have a mother, he replied, with a few expletives. Give me your money now. And Michael was, said he was thinking that this was going to end very badly. And as everyone was beginning to panic, one of the friends there, a woman by the name of Christina, piped up with another offer. She said, you know, we're here celebrating. Why don't you have a drink? And all of a sudden, the look on the man's face changed. It was like a light switch turned on and he picked up a glass and he took a sip. That's a really good drink, he said. And then he reached for a piece of cheese that was sitting there on the table and as he did that, he placed the gun in his pocket. He drank the drink and he ate more cheese and everyone else was simply standing around in frozen silence. And then the intruder said something that was totally unexpected 
he said, I, I think I've come to the wrong place. And immediately everyone responded with things like, oh yeah, we understand. Of course, this, that kind of thing happens. And in a few moments, there as they were under the stars twinkling and there were sounds of insects of the night, the fear began to disappear. And at once again, the intruder said something totally unexpected. He said, can I get a hug? And it was Michael's wife, the woman who had had the gun pointed at her just a few moments earlier. And she reached out and gave the man a hug. And then another person from the dinner party, he gave, she gave him a hug. And after all those hugs, he said, can we get a group hug? And everyone got up and they formed a circle around the man. And indeed, as Michael said, the experience was beyond strange. And when the group hug finished, he simply said, I'm so sorry. And he walked out of the gate with a drink in his hand. Later that evening, after things had calmed down a little bit, they went out down that sidewalk, down the alley where the man left, and they found his glass placed neatly in the middle of the sidewalk. Not tossed aside, not broken, but placed neatly in the middle of the sidewalk. But this was later, because when the man walked away, all they could think and do was run into the house and cry with gratitude, and they all decided it was like a miracle. It was like a miracle. Now, why do I tell that story? Because as odd as it seems, at its core, that is church. Now, I'm not recommending you do that if there's a gun pointed at your head, because that's a little hard to comprehend. But there is an idea in psychology called non-complementary behavior. And most of the time, when we interact with people, we just naturally mirror each other. So when someone is hostile to us, when someone is angry with us, we give back hostility and anger. We mirror what they're doing to us. Just in the same way that warmth begets warmth. And to break this pattern, to say you're something really encouraging when the person is being hostile, to say, express some love when that person is angry at you, that is non-complementary behavior. It breaks the pattern, it changes things. But I say that as church because when I read the Gospels, that's what Jesus did. He did the unexpected. Every encounter, there was love. Every encounter, there was respect. Every encounter, there was lifting people up even those who were the most hostile to him. Even there on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's what love does. That's what grace is. And I might add, that is what, as a church, I think Jesus calls us to do. 
to not reflect what the world is doing, to not reflect even the hostility that individuals might share with us, but to look to Christ so that things change, so the world sees the difference. And when Christians really follow Jesus, it does completely shake things up. Be it a relationship, or be it a situation in our community, or ultimately be it the world. When Christians act like Christians, it shakes things up, it flips the script, and things change. And I began with words of connection and remembrance, reminding us as the Apostle Paul does, to give thanks. I think that's our challenge. That we are connected, but build on that connection. We do have a good foundation, but build on that foundation, always thanking God and always remembering that Christ is not finished with us. You know, I close with some more thoughts from the Apostle Paul that reminds us that we're still on the journey, that the best days lie ahead, just as Bonnie prayed as we began. In God's hand, the best days lie ahead. And this is what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter three. Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind, and if you think differently about this anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. The past has shaped us. It's given us a foundation. But indeed, if we are faithful to Jesus Christ, then the best really is yet to come. We join Paul in pressing on toward the goal. And in a few moments, we're going to walk out of the doors and we're going to walk out into the future of Bowling Springs Baptist Church. But let us walk out with a question on our heart. Where is Jesus Christ leading us today? For Christ is still at work in you and you and you and me. May we be faithful to him. Our hymn of response is hymn number 48, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Hymn 48, if you are able, please stand and join in singing.
benediction, I want to read just a couple of passages. One from Exodus 33. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. And then from Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're able to come together and worship you this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are and we give praise for who you are. Lord, I pray over this church, I pray over this congregation, that they will have the same heart as Moses and the same heart as David, Lord, that wherever they go, they realize, they recognize, and they desire that your presence be with them. Lord, I pray that they don't seek to glorify the name of this place, Lord, but they seek to glorify you in all that they do, that they don't seek to lift up their own name, but the name of Jesus. Because, Father, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no one, no one comes to you, Lord, but through him. So we just pray for the one in here this morning. Maybe they just wandered in and they don't have a relationship with you, God. We pray for that person. We pray for that one here who needs to have that life-saving relationship with you. So, Father, we just pray for them, that they'll answer the call of salvation on their heart and their life, and that they'll get to endure um, whatever this world throws at them, Lord, that they'll get to have peace, that they'll get to have patience, that they'll get to have forgiveness. Lord, all these things that Preacher Carol talked about, your love, your hope, your mercy, that comes through a relationship with you. Lord, that's why we're here, and we are nothing without you. So, Father, we thank you that when we do leave this place, wherever we go, you will be there. Help us to honor you and glorify you in all that we do. Lord, we ask your blessings on the meal that we're about to partake together and the fellowship that will happen. And we're just grateful, Lord. We're so thankful. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, Pastor Keith asked me to... Uh, let you guys know after the response uh, to please join us for a meal over here. You can go through these doors, but head to the fellowship hall this way. And he also asked that uh, any special guests or those who need assistance, if they'll please, uh, if you'll just please allow them to go first. And thank you. Through the daycare doors, everybody enters through the daycare doors, turn right into the fellowship hall. Thank you. <laughs> 